health is about more than just staying fit. And with every year that goes by, I'm becoming more and more fascinated by how what we eat can impact our health and our potential, with a particular focus on gut health and the gut microbiome. It's not just what I eat either, it's how I eat too. It's all connected. That's why I've developed my own number one living drinks brand. Number One Living is based on this idea, the simple notion that by putting our well-being first and improving the quality of what we put into our bodies, we get more out of life. My range of kombucha drinks are full of bacterial life cultures, designed for a happy and healthy gut. They're sugar-free, vegan and naturally sourced, so you can feel great on the inside and enjoy life on the outside. Choose from refreshing raspberry, passion fruit or our award-winning ginger and turmeric kombucha. The number one living range is widely available in Sainsbury's, Holland and Barrett's and Boots stores and online at numberoneliving.com. Grab yours today. Okay, on with the show. Hey, welcome back to I Am, the podcast that explores the possibilities and potential that we can access as human beings. I'm your host, Johnny Wilkinson. My guest this week is Dr. Dean Radin. He's a scientist with a strong interest in the paranormal. Dr. Dean has spent over 40 years diligently researching and putting some of the most challenging elements and accounts of human experience to the test. He looks to get to the bottom of that stuff that we go through or people go through that just doesn't seem to fit the rules we have and the narratives. In doing this, He's sort of constantly revealing new understandings for how life can work and inspiring new possibilities for us as human beings. And in this chat, Dr. Dean explains some of these incredible findings, all of them proven under the highest, most thorough and stringent experimental conditions, many of them over and over again. So our conversation focused a lot upon the power we possess in who we are to greatly influence our world, simply through our desires and our state of being. It all centered around the potential of our intention. And it's out on Thursday. I really hope that you tune in for it and that you enjoy it. It will certainly provide plenty of food for thought. The idea that there's also some kind of mental interaction with it, it's very clear, even from research on meditation and research on things like mental healing and psychic healing. To say nothing about psychic phenomena, but just... just the mind-body connection is extremely strong. I think the, the things that I've seen partially from a study of magic, and that there's different elements to magic which are relevant here. The one I'm talking about is the so-called force of will. Your, your will, your intention can change things out there in the world. What an amazing opportunity this is. For me, it definitely poses a challenge to that dominant, widely accepted view of performance that we hold and all the ideas we have around how we can prepare ourselves for it. Do we really need to suffer and sacrifice the way we do in order to give ourselves the best shot at succeeding? Is there another way? Is there a better way? So today for this little Tuesday episode inspired by Dr. Radin's revelations, I'm going to talk about this beautiful zone and explore some other avenues for how we prepare to enter it. Now, I've given a lot of my life to this, approaching it from so many different angles. One thing that's becoming more and more apparent for me with all this exploration is that preparing for performance through fear and resistance, when we're looking for creativity, intuition and flow, it's a bit like revising biology for a French exam. It doesn't make any sense. 
apart from if revising biology just happens to be something that makes you feel absolutely fantastic about yourself. But rather confuse that now, I'll leave that for a bit later on. The way that I'm coming to understand and experience performance myself in my own practice, and this is a big change for me, is that our outcomes, how things turn out, are simply a reflection of what's happening inside of us. Now this is a big shift in how we look at things. It's not quite so governed by cause and effect anymore. It's far more just about effect. And it's not so much a question and answer therefore type affair. It's just a statement that we make and we see it manifested. So our role through this new understanding is just to work out what the statement we need to make is and then how do we fully embody it. For our guidance in this process, we can take pointers from that reflection. It can show us what's going on on the inside, but far more importantly and powerfully, what gives us the greatest indication is how we're feeling. And as ever, the more aware we are, the more subtly and intricately and sort of sensitive we become to our experience and our internal environment in every way, then the more information we can get our hands on becomes available to us and the more we can start to align. Once we begin to find that right feeling, then it's all about feeding it. So learning this way through inner awareness and responsibility, it's sort of revealed a new way of looking at a few things for me. And a lot of this transformation lies in the base recognition that when we're in that zone, everything comes about so effortlessly. When we ask about how we feel in that zone, we never feel tense. We never feel like we're trying. Everything just seems to come from a deeper knowing, a deeper confidence, something that just doesn't seem to belong to that physical cause and effect, go out there, make it happen feel. So here's is that updated understanding. For me, our action, or in sporting terms, our technique, it's greatly determined by how we think and feel. So rather than put all our effort into working on the technique, it's definitely worth working on those thoughts and feelings. But then we see, I think, that how we think and feel is largely triggered or inspired by what's happening deeper in us at the level of how we relate to life and to ourselves. So you could say this might be the perfect place to invest most of our energy if we're looking for change. But actually how we see the world and how we identify ourselves is defined, I think, hugely by our state of being. And to clarify what I mean by state of being, I'm referring to self-worth. That for me is the ultimate level. This is the source that's responsible for the, for the rest, the chain reaction that follows, the immediate instantaneous chain reaction. And we can get a steer on what's going on at this state of being level, this self-worth level, by exploring things like how deserving we feel, how faithful we are, how trusting, excited, passionate, compassionate, engaged, all of these things, how much we sense that we belong. For example, could be a job interview or a penalty kick in football or anything else. Low self-worth manifests 
as a a deeper conviction to the idea that I don't really deserve for this to work out for me, especially not in an effortless way. Fear, distrust and instability arise. We lose all that clarity and simplicity. The sense that something is going to go wrong pervades everything. And out of these feelings of insecurity blossoms this survival, self-protection based pattern of thinking. Our minds go scanning for the problem, for the threat, the one that's going to uh, slip us up and reveal to everyone and to ourselves too that we were never good enough. What could be worse than that absolute confirmation of our insufficiency, the ultimate humiliation and defeat? So to avoid that, we switch on the fight or flight system. We find ourselves inundated with images of every possible disastrous outcome and then go seeking urgent ways of how we can solve these imagined problems or maybe escape them. Maybe we can push the opportunity away so it won't hurt so much if it doesn't happen. Maybe we fearfully or furiously attempt to get through it, just hoping to use this frantic energy as a substitute for our gift and our trust. In this state, our actions... Well, we're either now holding back or we're rushing blindly. In either case, we're trying to control everything. And it's just too much. So we offer and express so little of who we really are. Who, and we offer and express so little of who we really are and our uniqueness and our gift that our presence and our message becomes one of hope not one of confidence. It becomes a question, not a statement, which is then reflected back and we can see exactly what's happening. Later, if we look back at what's, what's been, we probably just wish that we'd fully gone for it instead, left it all out there, at least given it a fully fledged shot. And the same energy of doubt, well, that inspires all this regret, self-analysis, and self-lambasting. As it's been said, we can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. We never truly therefore solve any problem. We simply shift to a different mind or energy state for which such a problem is no longer a problem. Again, another quote I've heard several times, nothing really changes until we change. For me, we're constantly transmitting our intention to the universe. And when we do this through a sense of unworthiness and doubt and survival, we kind of end up saying that this is what I really want and also saying I don't want it at the same time. The same way that a, a kicker in, in rugby will send out a barrage of images of the ball missing here, there and everywhere for a kick that they're actually desperate to put through the post. The message is so conflicted, contradictory and confused and we see it in the outcome and in the behaviour. Accessing and working on this deeper energy state for me is the most important thing we can do as all else stems from this. We can definitely work on those other levels as well but to miss the opportunity at the deeper level it just for me it won't change anything certainly not long term. This is why I really vouch for spending as much time as we can 
looking to reveal more about who we are before we go about operating or making big decisions in our life. We are, after all, so willing to spend every moment stressing, surviving, and in doing so, reinforcing our limits. What then are we willing to give in the name of going somewhere new and thriving, in the name of our potential? When we're feeling worthy and deserving, everything makes sense. Our relationships unfold beautifully and the right words come at the right time. We genuinely care for others. We have time and patience for anyone. Our performance seems effortless and inspired. Our vision expands and creatively we surge into uncharted, unknown space with spontaneity and confidence. Everything looks after itself. In short, anything's possible. We don't find ourselves diving into books for answers or trying to find other people's ways of doing things. There's a deep knowing that that state of being that holds all of our answers, where there is doubt and fear, we will have a revert to that effort model. Everything feels forced and fatiguing, sacrifice, control, manipulation in place of effortless unfolding. Relationships, they become an opportunity to use other people to get them to feel or think or speak a certain way about us so that we can cover up that gaping hole inside. We, we don't genuinely care about them, only really caring about how we fare in comparison or competition with them. And in place of spontaneity, we opt for logic and thought, overthinking, in fact. In short, in this state, instead of anything is possible, everything's a problem. Pressure, expectation, fear of failure, these aren't truths in the world. They're just a reality according to a choice of doubt. Survival mode, with all its intensity and its urgency, it can still get the job done, definitely. We may achieve so much through this endeavour. I think I did, probably. But for me, without exception, this route, it comes with collateral damage. With constant stress, there's no healing. We head for breakdowns, physical, mental. We isolate ourselves too. No amount of coping with doubt will ever end doubt. It keeps doubt alive. It's a bottomless hole that cannot be filled with anything from the outside. It's more of a how long can I hang in there approach. It has nothing to do with growth, evolution, and certainly nothing to do with uncovering more, discovering more about life and who we are. Chronic stress in this respect, it's a relationship destroyer. It's a performance destroyer. It's a body and mind destroyer, a health and well-being destroyer. So if we're going to go ahead with it, then it'd be great to to have a pretty good reason for it. And justifying what we're doing in this way, yes, that can be quite simple. But to validate this approach, that's a really big one. Is joy really waiting at the end of all this suffering and sacrifice? Is it really helping my performance in the deepest way? Does it really match my experiential truth when I'm honest with myself? And is having less years in our life and less life in those years really worth it? let alone missing this moment. A really interesting opportunity that I've been exploring surrounds this concept of the tempo of our life. Whatever we have to do, 
Are we doing it our way? It comes from the idea that what happens around us and to us, we can't necessarily control, but what about what happens inside of us? That's got to be ours, isn't it? The key to this is awareness and then acceptance. We notice our tension, we notice that survival mode, and then we relax. And in the relaxation, we then begin to notice a little bit more about what's exciting to us. And then we move towards it. The more we can observe, recognize, and then respond in this way, the more of our life and our energy and attention we can reclaim. And then we can channel it into what we want instead all the time clearing up our message to the world. Now, this is a possibility in every moment, I think. Take walking, for example, or any other movements. We've been doing it for so long, but have we ever even asked ourselves, am I walking as I wish? Does the way I walk reflect who I really want to be? Have I integrated any sort of conscious choice there? It's such an amazing experience an amazing interaction with life in so many ways but instead we're always rushing through it always tense looking down just getting from a to b and then to c but what's waiting at these places what about how we breathe what about our facial expression how we're holding our face so we might have a 20 meter walk from one engagement to the next and in this small space We have an amazing opportunity to connect with life and with ourselves. And we can totally reset. We can totally shape our message. We can prepare beautifully. What about when we're arguing with someone? Do we have the awareness to ask ourselves during that heated survival moment? Is this really how I want to propose my idea? Do I really want to have to shove my thinking down someone else's throat to get it to stick? Is this going to help in any way? Is it going to last? Is this creating the kind of world I want to create? Is this how I want to live my moment right now? We can choose instead to find just a little bit of what's exciting to us. Respond to that rather than to react to our compulsions and habits. And in this way, we uncover more of who we really are right now. Who we want to be. And we let that being and their energy start to do the feeling, thinking, speaking, walking, talking and leading every event i feel in life therefore through that reflection is assisting us every outcome every challenge every messenger of every challenge is therefore a supporter of our journey a guiding force helping us to uncover more of who we can be from this we begin to see that the universe is never against us it's only ever for us and what could allow us to feel more worthy and deserving than that the more challenge we get the more opportunity there is within it for great shifts great changes of our life experience as long as we're willing to look at it from this perspective the perspective of our responsibility and what happens within us it's almost for me literally like dancing to the tune of the moment we need to find the music of now of our situation then fall into rhythm with it let go and let the intention of who we are find its expression. We call this the flow state. Trying to dance through doubt and insecurity. This is pretty much summing summing up my early 20s here. Trying to control a rhythm, dance through thought and planning, 
we've probably all been there at some point or maybe witnessed it. It just doesn't work. We can't always choose the music that we get right now in this moment, but we can listen deeply and we'll find that every piece of music has a rhythm. It has something we can connect to and rather than complain or give up, we can find excitement in it. We can connect to it in whatever small way and then feel it and just let that inspire some serious moves. If there's any beauty to this analogy, if there's any sense to it at all, then once we get past our immediate likes and dislikes, there's always an opportunity there. No one ever dances in order to feel good at the end of dancing. The dancing is the joy. It's the engagement in the moment. So when we do it fully, when we let it unfold and trust in it, the beauty of the unknown of what may come from it, irrespective of what people may think of it or anything. It's not for them, it's for us. When we connect who we are to the music rather than resisting it, when we're willing to give ourselves to it, I don't think we ever regret it. I've pretty much gone for it there, so do let me know if you see what I'm getting at. Let me know if you have your own ways of accessing and feeding your own self-worth. What changes your energy state? How do you go from feeling like you're caught up in that survival mode to finding your way into that state of ease and trust? Let us know how you find and follow your highest excitement in your day-to-day life. I'm definitely going to be getting more and more into this, looking out for new opportunities and understandings with guests and also in these Tuesday episodes. So please do keep us informed. Dr. Dean Radin, he's a fantastically interesting guy. And his research is pointing so clearly to this understanding that how we are on the inside, it hugely influences the probability of how things turn out on the outside. And if I knew this when I was younger, I do feel like I'd have been far more interested in understanding myself questioning whether I really have to feel the way I do about things, whether these things really mean what I think they do. I would have challenged myself, I'm sure, to bring down that reactivity and enhance my sense of choice about how I want to respond and how I want to be. Anything you've got, any contributions, any ideas around this, it's super interesting. And just as I've said in this podcast, It's a huge guidance for us. This is part of the reflection we're getting back from you guys. What's coming up in you guys? Let us know so we can continue to explore what matters to to all of us and go about this journey towards an amazing collective change and creation of a new environment. Anything you've got, send it to hello at iampodcast.co.uk and we'll be sure to read it and take it on board. I'm Johnny Wilkinson. This is I Am with Dr. Dean Radin. So that's it for another episode of I Am. It's brilliant to be sharing this unfolding experience with you all. If you'd like to get in touch with either me or the guest, then all the information you need is in the show notes. I welcome all and any feedback. I really want all of you to have a hand in guiding the feel of this show and the path of the conversation as well. So just keep them coming in. And until next time, I'm Johnny Wilkinson, and this has been I Am. This show is brought to you by Max Creative. The executive producer is Megan Hill-Smith. Assistant producer is Alex Macy.